0: Hello, and welcome to In Unison, the podcast about new choral music and the conductors, composers, and choristers who create it. We are your hosts. I am Zayn Fiala, Artistic Director of the International Orange Chorale of San Francisco.
1: And I'm Giacomo Grigoli, a tenor in IOCSF, the Golden Gate Men's Chorus, and the San Francisco Symphony Chorus. And this is...
2: In unison! Yeah, I like
0: being in unison. Hey everybody, we just wanted to take a moment and say a big thank you to the folks who are helping support the creation of this podcast. We couldn't have made it this far without our generous donors. So today we're giving a shout-out to two members of the Golden Gate Men's Chorus in San Francisco and great friends of the pod, Ken Kit and Randy Kikukawa. Thanks, guys! If you would like to help support In Unison, please visit inunisonpodcast.com donate. Today on In Unison, we're talking with Dr. Martin Benvenuto, a treble choir specialist, about his journey from singing in choirs in Argentina to leading some of the most respected treble choirs in the Bay Area. We will also chat about his new treble choir called 21V, which is inclusive of voices of all genders. But first, let's get started with some music. Here's Martine directing the Peninsula Women's Chorus at the 2016 ACDA Western Division Conference in a performance of Levente John Gloria Caioniensis. This is Movement One, Gloria in Excelsis Deo. Okay, joining us today on In Unison is Dr. Martin Benvenuto, a native of Buenos Aires, Argentina. Martin has served as Artistic Director of the Peninsula Women's Chorus, Women Sing, and the Contra Costa Children's Chorus. He's also served on the faculty of the Piedmont East Bay Children's Choir and is quite active as a clinician, panelist, and guest conductor both at home and abroad. Martine's choirs have been dedicated to commissioning new works from upcoming and established composers from the U.S. and abroad and have been selected to perform at Chorus America and ACDA conferences. His choirs have also earned honors and high marks in international compositions in Argentina, South Africa, Canada, Hungary, and Spain, including the Peninsula Women's Chorus' winning of the American Prize in Choral Performance in 2015, and Women Sing taking home the Chorus America ASCAP Alice Parker Award in 2010. Martin is also the founder and artistic director of 21V, a professional ensemble of soprano and alto voices of all gender identities, with a focus on music of the 21st century of the Americas, and we will definitely talk more about that a little later. Martin holds a DMA in choral conducting from Boston University, where he studied with Anne Howard Jones and the late Robert Shaw. He earned his master's from Westminster Choir College, and his undergrad degrees in choral conducting and composition are from the Universidad Católica Argentina. Martin, thanks so much for joining us today. We're very excited to chat with you. I hope I didn't butcher the pronunciation of the school in Argentina.
3: No, you did great. You did great. <laughs> thanks for having me, guys.
1: Welcome, Martina. It is wonderful to see you again. Um, I have had the great pleasure of actually having worked with you, um, I believe, as a clinician through the Golden Gate Men's Chorus, and so it's nice to reconnect today. Um, but for those folks who have not had an opportunity to get to know you a little bit, we'd like to start with an icebreaker. So here's one for you. Uh, Martine. what is the strangest gift you've ever received?
3: It's, it's a little of a bizarre story, I guess, so it fits. Um, so, I was at a deli, and I am uh, noticing this gentleman following me around and seeing me checking out my shoes, and I thought it was bizarre, to say the least, that I, I was wearing typical Argentinian mocasines. and so finally at the checkout line, he just asks me where I got my shoes, and I say, Buenos Aires. And so he says, I knew it, and proceeds to tell me that his brother-in-law from Peru has just passed away, and he had similar shoes to mine, and that he has these shoes in his car trunk in the parking lot, and he wants to give them to me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm baffled, but unbelievably trusting, I just walked into his car, and, and he gives me the dead guy's shoes. Uh, and then, you know, I had the trepidation follow after, you know, having them in my trunk. I just, I, you know, choirs have resources, right? So I remember my choir's partner who worked at SFO airport security. I ended up passing the shoes off to her so she could screen them. She put them through security. So yeah, so I still wear them today on special occasions
1: that's fantastic the first half of that story sounds like uh like a hemingway short story or something dead man i know the second half suddenly twists into like i don't know like what's the guy's name one of those spy movies or something (laughs) i
3: don't know why it is but i i do i am approached by people with with weird propositions sometimes so i just i guess that's why i was uh trusting and not feeling that this was um anything you know um to be afraid of, but anyway, they're nice shoes, actually. <laughs> actually,
1: and they, they are no—I mean, handmade shoes are, are quite a thing in Buenos Aires, aren't they? I mean, like I feel like uh, lots of folks get those macasinas. Well, I'm going to add that to my uh, to my Christmas list. So it's, that's that's a fantastic yeah, right. list. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, uh, to let folks know a little bit more about you, we'd love to talk a little bit uh, about your background. Um, and as Zane mentioned, you are from Argentina. And uh, I think one of the things that would be interesting to know is what first inspired you to pursue choral music?
3: Yeah, I think my first inspiration was my choir teacher at elementary school, Um, like many of us, right? Um, Her name was Julia Gargano, and um, uh, my school was not co-ed at that time. And so the boys' school had a less than satisfactory choir, and the girls' school had... A fantastic choir and they had sung on national public radio and they were just I thought they were amazing and and uh, they were conducted by Julia and we used to have some joint assemblies once in a while the boys school and the girls school and uh and um at this one a joint assembly at the start of the fifth grade I um they made an announcement that Julia was going to be coming to the boys' school to conduct the boys course. And I was a pretty shy and quiet and very well behaved kid, and I literally jumped off my chair. I was so. <laughs> um, and and the rest is history. She really became a mentor, and um, and uh, actually in two thousand five, when I took Women Sing on tour to Argentina, she was in attendance. Oh. Her concert at Teatro Colón, and uh, yeah, she was fantastic. She had perfect pitch. had had like this. Sort of bright and 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 exact um sense of pitch and uh yeah she was just a, a fantastic pianist as well and an all-around wonderful musician and uh i think that's where uh, i mean i was already musically inclined I had already started to study violin and a little bit of piano but the, the singing thing and the choir thing came from her
0: so what kind of music is a choir of fifth graders in Argentina singing?
3: You know what? Um, spirituals. That's, spirituals. Is, is, isn't that amazing? We, I had my first solo in elementary school was Swing Glossy Chariot. Um, and uh, we did quite a bit of spirituals. Um, and, and this is a bilingual school. Uh, so um, it's, it's called St. Andrew's Scott School. It still exists today. And so, um, founded by Scottish immigrants. And so we, we did university of Cambridge examinations and all that stuff. So, um, the, 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 I, I guess the, the literature that we sang was broad, but very Anglo driven in a way, you know? So, um, yeah that I, I I think that's the most we did but though we did you know we did like I also sang in this small trio of um the knabin from Magic Flu, but in Spanish a Spanish version right. That's
1: fantastic. Mm-hmm. are there other, are there differences in style between u s and Argentinian choral singing?
3: Yes, I would say so. Um, I would say i I would say that years ago, my impression was that. Argentinian choral singing was tended to be more visceral and sort of raw, um, which ha- it can have its positive aspects. You know, it, it's it's communicative for sure, and and the less positive aspects being that it, you know, the loud singing can very easily become shouty. Um, that's that's fairly typical, um, and but Argentinians appreciate both conductors and singers appreciate um the discipline of american choral singing you know the the intonation and the overall precision and but at the same time find it sometimes a little less engaging a little more detached um but i would say that that's i don't know maybe 25 years ago when i came to the u.s um that's that was the case i i feel that now um those differences are less pronounced there's overlap all over the place but I wonder, you know, now I'm, I've been in the U.S. for so long that it's hard for me to have a, you know, uh, a discerning ear as to what, um, what the real differences are. But, but when I first came, that was very telling, you know.
0: Let's hear a little bit of how Martine puts that precision into practice with his own groups. Here is the Kyrie movement of Ramona Luengen's Misa Brevis, performed by the Peninsula Women's Chorus on the album Carols and Lullabies.
1: Tell us also a little bit of uh, something of, uh, about um, culturally um, some of the music that you might be bringing with you, um, which uh, is specific to to Argentina, uh, maybe something a little bit about the Argentinian art song or the history of Argentinian art songs. Are, is that some of the music that you would bring into your repertoire uh, these days as well?
3: Yeah, I have. Um, I have to an extent. I mean, I'm a, I'm a voice teacher and um, I, although I don't do it as often as I should, but I um, Argentine art song is is like in most uh, South American countries has a history of the intersection of you know the European influence and and it's and, and nativism if you will um, and and how that developed but um, but yeah I mean here in the U S Ginastera is somebody that people know mostly through his orchestral work but. His um cinco canciones are are great. They're 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 fantastic for the pianist and they're very um show-offy for the singer. Um but but the the the, the where I go with art song is Guastavino, Carlos Guastavino, and he was a a more uh conservative uh, lyrical um uh, composer and his song cycles are just um, beautiful and so we we call him I don't know who dubbed him so but um we he has been called the Schubert of the Bambas, uh, the Schubert of the plains you know and um and I've programmed actually you know a couple of his songs there there's actually uh, a former student of his who lives in Germany who's arranged uh, a whole bunch of as I, I found this out like ten years ago he has arrangers for SSAA chorus of his many of his uh, art songs and and they were approved by Guastavino himself so which was a you know a treasure I'm never very fond of these arrangements of art songs per se but these are you know had uh, Guastavino's stamp of approval so I programmed some of those as well yeah
1: well, Martin, you bring a ton of uh, your, your, your professional and cultural backgrounds are just an absolute uh, co- force of the choral arts here in the Bay Area. I mean, you've brought quite a bit of this experience uh, here. Tell us a little bit about um, some of your history in, in here in the Bay Area. Who are some of the organizations that you've worked with and collaborated in the Bay?
3: Well, um, I've conducted both Women Sing and the Peninsula Women's Chorus for over 15 years. And I also worked with the Piedmont East Bay Children's Choir and the Contra Costa Children's Chorus. So all all of this is in the the treble chorus realm. So um, backtracking to Julia Gargano, I think that that's kind of where my um, treble chorus love started, if you will. Um, I do remember vividly, like even before she came to our school, how I would listen to the girls' choir perform an arrangement of I don't know what, and I would go back home with my rudimentary musicianship skills and I would write down the close harmonies. I just wanted to figure out, like, oh, was that an added sixth or something? I was just trying to, you know, I I was attracted to that sonority and I wanted to understand it better, you know.
0: So from a very young age, the the soprano and alto the treble choir sound was something that yeah. just drew you in
3: yeah yeah
0: i don't think i can say that for myself i that about treble choirs or about uh you know ttbb or anything i just like the choral sound of overall what about you jockman you ever do you feel drawn to one sound or the other when you were younger
1: I do. It's interesting. Historically, I have always sung in TTBB. I mean, until I came to San Francisco, even actually when I came to San Francisco with the GGMC, it was only uh, afterwards that I branched out and thought, you know, I I ought to try some some different things. Like uh, it's when I joined IOC for the SATB experience and then the symphony after that, that I kind of got exposed to that. Um, But it's interesting. I mean, it sort of leads me into a, a thought about the overall choral arts scene in the Bay Area. I mean, there's a, you know, we've got quite a smattering of different organizations. Martine, how would you define the overall choral arts scene in the Bay Area? I mean, do you think it's healthy, thriving? Are there things that are missing or things that you like?
3: I, I'm call kind of an adventurous. I, I think it's, um, it's open to new ideas and open to new people. And um, I think that there's a nice, for me, coming from Boston, maybe, you know, sometimes you sort of, you define a scene by contrast with the scene you came from. For me, Boston, was I was still in school, so I was not really, you know, inserted in the professional scene. But but what I liked about the Bay Area immediately was that combination of serious music making and that, I don't know, that je ne sais quoi of California laid back. that's you know where there's there's an informality within the formality of of the music making that was appealing to me you know um i was very sort of academic and intellectual yet i'm also from argentina where we have all this sort of warmth you know and 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 this extra hugging and kissing (laughs) so i i think that that and 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 sort of more informal approach to things that so I think that's one of the reasons that the Barry in general and particularly the choral art scenes here felt felt like a fit.
0: In the realm of this will probably lead us into a conversation about 21V, which is great. Um, in the realm of, of treble choirs, what what is it that's, that's great that we should hold on to? And then what's, uh, what's new and exciting? What's missing? What are we, and this is going to lead into 21V, what are we looking to add to the conversation by adding a new uh, treble voice chorus?
3: Yeah, I... I just think that that um, well, for one, with with the amount of uh, high quality trouble choirs that there are in the Bay Area, one of the things that I think is that we um, choral practitioners have could do more work on is just tr- trying to really think about how we're going to continue to build audiences so this choral arts ecosystem can continue to grow. There are so many people saying so many things about about this art form that, um, we need to continue to cultivate that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, for me, the 21V that, that starting a new group now felt, um, felt, the time seemed ripe. And, um, and the pandemics allowed me to devote time, energy and, 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 and really, to really craft and articulate and refine the ideas behind what this would be. Um, and, um, one of the things uh, that I feel gender inclusivity is sort of one of the core values of 21 V, and I've always sort of, uh, thought about what, what would, what would that sound be? What would that treble sound be? Where, where we bring in countertenors and we have you know trans women and we have cis women and we have you know so we have that sort of full spectrum of human experience and how does that reveal itself in the treble chorus sound, which was has been very you know gender oriented either with voice choirs or you know with adult women's choirs et cetera. So um yeah that was uh and i and i have to say that i'm uh many times i'm when i'm called on to do clinician work i'm called on because because of my seemingly uh good skills at at creating a a unified sound and and whatnot so i'm sort of like asking for trouble with this in, in, in trying to bring so many different colors together but that's actually a challenge that excites me. Uh, so,
0: yeah. I, I wonder, I'm wondering, is there, do you find that there's like a difference in the sound of one treble choir to another treble choir to another? Cause you know, when it comes to like an SATB group, uh, obviously the size of the group makes a difference to the sound, but then you can cultivate a richer or a leaner sound depending on what you want as a director. Would you say that there's a lot of uh, variation in the color spectrum and the and the sound spectrum of a treble voice choir?
3: I would think so, yes. Um...
0: And what makes it different? What influences it? How would you influence the sound of a treble choir to make it more to your liking or to make it different or whatever?
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that I have, um, I, I, I tend to lean towards a sound that has that sort of like, uh, combination of, of the Italian sort of forward, you know, clear sound and the German depth, you know, and I, and I find that going back to, you know, uh, to some of our Western sort of, uh, idols, Eric Garricson and the Swedish Chamber Choir that sound for me regardless whether it's SATB or SSAA that sound for me is sort of an ideal that I think that my ear tends to go towards where you can find depth but not at the expense of um you know of clean clear harmonies and um and and so Um, yeah, I, but I do think that, you know, there are, there are approaches, I think, you know, there are as many sounds as there are conductors. That's my, my sense. I think we, whether we want it or not, we, we impose our sound ideal in our choirs, regardless of what, what the composition of the choir is as far as singers. I think, and I'm not trying to say that singers don't have an impact on them. Of course they do. But, um, but our I, I always find it fascinating from, from back in grad school, how we could have a same group of singers singing the exact same piece and you get somebody else in front of that same group. And the sound, not only the shape of the line, of course, the music is different because the tempo and what have you, but, but the sound itself changes substantially. And, that's, for me, that's a little of a mystery, but, um, but it does, you know, it really does.
0: Why don't we take a moment and hear the sound that Martine brings out of the Peninsula Women's Chorus on their album Mostly Made in America. This is Dona Nobis Pachem by Ko Matsushita.
1: With 21V, I think you're breaking ground on a, what I would consider to be a new instrument. I mean, an all-gender treble choir sounds like it would be quite interesting. And certainly um, the, the unique voices that you will pull together will, will craft a sound. But how do you think about repertoire selection? Does the, the, the notion of this new instrument kind of take your brain into different places when you think about the types of music you'd like to perform with this group?
3: Well, I think uh, our our music focus is gonna be music composed after the year 2000 uh, and music of the Americas. So it's, a, it's sort of expanding the boundaries of what we consider quote unquote American music to include North, Central and South. Um, as far as this being a sort of a new instrument, I, I see it both ways. I see it, hopefully this will inspire composers to think of the treble, um, instrument uh, in different ways, uh, and, and explore different colors and, and, and maybe, maybe our, you know, our vocal range for that treble choir is not as, as limited as we see it now. And at the same time, I see that I see 21V as a sort of a, as a new instrument for music that's already been written with some other more traditional treble choir in mind. So it's both, you know, um, it's like, I don't know, I mean, this is an extreme example, but like, I remember hearing like, uh, Ursel's Dido, perf- uh, accompanied by an orchestra of saxophones. It's kind of, you know, uh, reinventing the, the sound of something that's already, um, there and, and how, um, yeah. So I, 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 I do think that some, some pieces will fit better than others for, for the, for the group, um. And that will be part of the journey.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a conversation that Giacomo and I have had many times amongst ourselves, but also when we had uh, Morgan Baker on, who was a guest on the show, who's the first um, <clears throat> non you know non male sing- identifying singer to join the Dukes Men of Yale, a traditionally all male a cappella ensemble. Um, and we talked on that episode about the different. Sound that the group has when it's all men singing the same music because they have recorded the same pieces of music with both. you know, groups of singers, and it sounds different to my ear. It sounds different when you have a couple of female voices singing those higher tenor parts. Oh yeah, there's it just it a facility. Different. There's a yeah, facility, the facility in that th- range
1: that men just don't have. That... There's
0: also a timbre difference, and mm-hmm. so it's very much like what you were just saying, Martine, about having this piece of music that was not written for an orchestra of saxophones, because what music is, but then hearing a piece of music written uh, performed by a chorus of saxophones that <laughs> makes that piece of music totally new. And so I imagine that that's something that's very exciting for you as you start to look at repertoire. So, you know, are there some pieces that come to mind that you have already experienced that are, that would fit into this category of 21st century choral music for treble voices that you've already been, you know, introduced to that you're excited to put in front of 21V and hear how the sound of that piece of music changes? Is anything specific come to mind?
3: I don't know that I have a specific, I haven't planned it that way where, you know, I'm looking to, um, you know, dress this piece and these new clothes. Um, I, I guess I've thought of it more from a theme, uh, perspective, you know, and, and what, how it's going to connect to our, um, to our tagline, which is a catalyst for change and, and just trying to challenge, you know, uh, boundaries in general but but i yeah i mean i i can but i can think of pieces that i have done before that i would be interested to see how they would sound with this you know uh with this new instrument if you will martin what's uh what's most important for you
1: right now as you think about the formation of this group i mean what are you most excited about
3: yeah i I, well i think this what we were talking about the the innovation of the Treble choral sound itself. Um, Where treble is defined by by range and not by by gender. Um, I think that's one of the things that are the most important. But I think it also comes down to my involvement with contemporary music and the fact that I'm I've been enjoying for a number of years now that my art and my present exist in the same universe um, and. Um, in these times, I felt like an almost imperative need to say yes, to affirm things in in a broad sense, to to be able to tell through music untold or seldom heard stories that perhaps will allow us to move through to a better time, you know. Um, and so that's also you know important to me and. W- I think with Twenty One We we can do this in a number of areas obviously in the in the sonic area per se but also uh in the ways we approach programming and um and audience building and you know the, every aspect of the organization yeah
1: we've spoken a lot of, on this program about how um choral arts can be a catalyst for social change i mean we have seen with tonality in los angeles mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. we've seen with um what the the Resistance Revival Chorus and uh, groups like Lorelei Ensemble and Kaleidoscope. I mean, groups that are doing some tremendous things. And would you say that that's also just something that feels like a natural fit for most choral artists, this idea that as communities, we come together and we can be the change we want to see?
3: I think for us now, um, I I do feel that choral artists now um, have a closer connection to our we we are reflecting more what's happening to us, um, and maybe that has to do with the fact that we are in general programming more contemporary music, living composers, and commissioning more work. I feel that that's part of the equation, but also what's happening, you know, in in, in the world as a whole. I think is influencing that. Um, I, I look back, you know, to some some of the you know post nine eleven. Times and and think about where we were in the choral art form there and I just don't I mean I'm sure there there were but um, and maybe history will tell the story in a different way but I didn't feel that as important a turning point that was that the choral the choral art reflected that as much as it has it's reflecting now for example our issues of mm-hmm. racial justice and, and, you know, gender inequality and, and, and what have you. So I, I feel that there is a particular moment in time now that is galvanizing us as, um, as artists in a different way.
1: Does that translate into um, your thoughts about repertoire as well, like specifically about the composers that you want to work with? I mean, are there people in mind that you're like, yes, these are underrepresented folks or marginalized folks or, or underserved?
3: Yeah, I mean but part of um, like who are some
1: of those composers that come to mind that you're like yeah I wish i should be programming these folks or
3: yeah th- th- i mean for me that's where i i find that i have an opportunity to bring to the scene to, to to give more um visibility to folks in in latin america as a whole um there are one of the things i've said to uh to my potential singers for 21v is that i want to I want to discover help discover with you who are the, you know, the Meredith Monks and the Libby Larsons and the Eric Whitakers and the you know and David Langs of Latin America. Who are they? I mean, they're they're out there. We just um in some countries the conditions for you know for art flourishing and choral or choral music flourishing are maybe very different than they are from ours, but um there, there is, I think, a universal capturing of the moment that the world is living. And that's, that's something that interests me. And, and, I, and I have, you know, one of, the, one of the projects that I undertook during the pandemic was collecting, you know, really having a repository of and, and starting to curate, you know, a list of people that I feel um, need to be heard or would be, you know, would be fascinating for us to know what, um, what they have to say. Well, I'm excited to hear who they are. So
1: I will definitely be at your first concerts and uh, maybe you'll toss us a name or two that we can play on the program. So <laughs> yeah, I'm,
3: yeah, yeah. I'm just, I, I'm I'm debating as to whether I should do it right now, because I feel like, well, you know,
1: no, 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 it, it, it take the moment. So, so, you know, it
3: so and so and anyway, but um, <laughs> yes, um, but, but it is, but it is, uh, but it is also a discovery for me. You know, I, um. I realized that I, you know, although being from that part of the world, I have gaps. I have huge gaps. And I'm, if it weren't for the pandemic, I think I would have embarked on a, on a three-month, six-month tour and just, like, just make stops. You know, just go through the whole continent and just, you know, figure out what I needed to figure out. And, and rather than trying to do it online via Zoom, you know, but. Um, well, I
0: mean, thank goodness for for social media and things such as that to keep know. us connected to people. Because when you and I spoke on the phone a month ago or something uh, to talk about 21V and things, uh, you mentioned a, a group on Facebook called Compisitores Corales Argentinos, yeah. XXI. I'm not sure what that, that part of it stands for. But um, you mentioned that as a, a place where all of these composers are a member of this group and they're all argentinian composers and i actually reached out to them and asked for to be get to be put in touch with some of these composers to talk to for this podcast and specifically oh cool um and they wrote back really fast and sent me a list of their current members and it's something like 15 different composers and so i've gotten contact information so we're going to be reaching out to several composers there's some really Um,
3: interesting voices in that group yeah
0: yeah, and so some of them, I'm wondering if you might say just a little bit about um, the music of some of these folks. Uh, maybe like Edgar Moya Godoy. Do you know this composer? Edgar Moya Godoy,
3: yeah, he's from Cordoba. He's from the central part of Argentina. And uh, he's, he's a really interesting guy. And he's actually one of the ones that started this group, I believe. Um, and uh, he, his, his music is very ethereal. A lot of um, there's a. I think there is a. I don't know, saying if you would agree with this, but 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 there is a movement. I would say in contemporary music, here in the U.S., away from the sacred and trying to explore more secular themes. I, you know, these generalizations are always a little risky, but but, but I'll I'll just go there. Whereas in in in. in not surprisingly, in Argentina, there is sort of a revisiting of the sacred because of, the, of our Catholic background and whatnot. But I think that Edgar does 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 a really nice job of um, setting, you know, old texts in a novel way. Um,
2: oh yeah.
3: And um, so that I, I and as as a counterpoint to the more secular sort of. Um, direction in North America, I think there might be more uh, outlooks on the sacred down south that might,
0: you know, balance things out. Yeah, we just had a conversation with uh, Dale Trumbor, a mm-hmm. composer from southern in, that's located in southern California. yeah i've worked yeah. with before yeah yeah she's amazing but we had a whole conversation about this idea of of bringing the sacred into her music but not via sacred texts or the ways that she gets around using specific specifically sacred texts but still having a element of spirituality and and sacredness to um her compositions and it was really interesting to hear her talk about about that
3: yeah, she, she she wrote a piece for us for, for women sing actually for our one, for our anniversary where she she took a Hildegard from Bingen text and she via I don't know if she told you about this, but via what she, what the technique is called erasure poetry. Yes, she did. So yeah, so so she removed the sort of the, the more charged, you know, religious language, if you will, and kept the essence of the of, of a more sort of universal um, aspect of it and came up with her own poem and that was what she said to music. So I thought I thought that was really cool. Um, but again, it's it's a little bit of like this direction of where like we're not wanting to fall into the sacred only, you know, realm because it's been done so much or or we're more interested in, in the secularity of things or whatnot. Whereas in in particularly in Argentina where I'm more familiar with things that I, I feel that there is still like a a a um a devotion to that and, and an interest in, in readings of those sacred texts.
1: Well, Martin, in our, in our closing moments now, um, we wanted to ask you a little bit about, uh, where we can find you online and where can we learn more about 21V?
3: Yeah. So we're, um, we have a landing page on MailChimp right now. We don't, we're not, we're in the process of building a website, but right now you can really find us on Facebook and Instagram at 21 V Choir. And and that links to our MailChimp. and you yourself are at MartinBamino.com is my 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 website. Yeah. Well
0: this has been fascinating for me. I, I love learning about aspects of choral music that I don't know enough about and treble choirs is definitely one of them. I, I can say I have I have never I've only once conducted a treble choir and it was actually just the Sopranos and Altos from IOC. So it's been great to to hear, you know, your perspective and um, I really look forward to seeing what 21V does and how it reshapes the choral scene in the Bay Area, because I'm sure that it will. It's a. It's going to be a new sound, and um, I, I think that bringing, shining the light on new composers is something that we all feel strongly about. I know I yeah. do. That's the mission Absolutely. of IOCSF, and... Uh, Giacomo and I have talked about other ways that we're going to try to do that through this podcast and so we're, we're glad to have made the connection with you Martine and to have you on and chat about this and, and maybe we'll have a whole episode featuring treble voice choir uh, you know, talk with you know, repertoire and, and new repertoire and feature some new composers or maybe we'll have a whole episode where we just talk about Argentinian choral music and, and get into that on the deep we'll see.
3: Well, thank you guys for for this opportunity and for, for this channel. I, I I've been following in unison for for a little while, and I I really appreciate what you guys are bringing the conversations and the in depth conversation and the discoveries of of some of um, some of us that are doing. Uh, I find it it often that we're sort of in in our own worlds often in in the corals in the coral world where we just we only superficially know what is um, what is the work of of a choral practitioner. So it's, it's good to have the opportunity to just kind of know more, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, that's definitely a goal of the podcast is to bring the choral community together at large. You know, each group is its own community and some singers are in multiple groups such as Giacomo. And so he kind of bridges those communities. But I think that the, the larger function of this podcast, at least in my mind is that we're trying to bring together choral musicians all, from all around, over the world to be a part of this larger community so we can share ideas and we can talk about what's important and promote our art. So, so thanks for being a part of
1: it. 100%. Yes, Martina, it is wonderful to see you again. I hope to see you in person very soon.
0: Good to see you both. Thank you,
3: Jagama. Thank you, Saint.
0: Let's finish off today's episode with the opening track off the Peninsula Women's Chorus' most recent album, Women Making Waves. Here is Martine conducting Rise Up by Jake Runestad.
2: you All right. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the In Unison Podcast.
1: Be sure to check out episode extras and subscribe at inunisonpodcast.com.
0: You can follow us on all social media at inunisonpod. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to let us know what you think. Choir loft seats rearranged by Chorus Dolores, whose favorite jewelry is the ring of a perfect fit. In Unison is produced and recorded by Mission Orange Studios. Our transcripts have been diligently edited by IOCSF member and friend of the pod, Fausto Daos. And our theme music is Mr. Puffy, written by Avi Bortnik, arranged by Paul Kim, and performed by the Danish vocal jazz ensemble, Dynamic, on their debut album, This Is Dynamic. Special thanks to Paul Kim for permission. Please be sure to check them out at www.dynamicjazz.dk.